Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some All awesome. Right, friends, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to do a good show that's brought to you by our friends at the Abilene Christian University Graduate School of Theology. Now, students of ACU's Graduate School of Theology have their heart set on bringing life and redemption to a hurting world. The mission at the Graduate School of Theology at ACU is to equip men and women for effective missional leadership in all its forms and to provide strong academic foundations for theological inquiry. Now, this is not a school where they try to give you all the answers or tell you what they what to do, but what they do at ACU's GST, the Graduate School of Theology, is they teach you how to ask good questions, how to be curious and virtuous in your pursuit of knowledge. Now, as an alumni of ACU's Graduate School of Theology, you listen to my podcast in which I ask a lot of questions. Now, are they good or not? I can't guarantee that. What I can guarantee is I'm curious, and hopefully I'm somewhat virtuous in my pursuit of knowledge, all because of ACU's Graduate School of Theology, so I can't recommend them enough. There's more information. If you are friends with the podcast on the old Facebook, which you should be, there is a link to their Graduate School of Theology website page, which you need to go check out. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, please go ahead and do that. Also, if you haven't subscribed and left a kind review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it if you did that. So go ahead and hop on over to the old tunes, iTunes, and do that. Now, for the matter at hand. We, uh, we've got a little bit of a bonus podcast. Uh, this was a story that um, was all over the news, the story about Caitlyn Jenner, uh, formerly known as Bruce Jenner, the Olympic gold medalist um, who everyone knows from the Kardashian reality world. Unfortunately, as you listen to on this podcast, I don't really know it that well, but I know the story is interesting. Mainly because the guy who is uh, on the podcast with me today, a guy named Josh Kobe, wrote a really interesting piece that got picked up by uh, Huffington Post, Washington Post, and uh, now Newsworthy with Norseworthy. So if you're listening to this, uh, let me be honest, I haven't really had a whole lot of conversations about transgendered individuals. So if a word or two gets uh, spoken out of place... Please give me a little grace, and uh, please accept my apologies. We're, we're trying to have nothing but love for everyone here. And uh, as you hear in the conversation, it's it's not easy for, for everyone to understand exactly the right words to say and what to say, but we're trying to create conversations that help people learn a little bit more about how you can be loving and graceful for everyone in this big, beautiful world that we've been given. So, buckle up. Get ready. Here we go. My new friend from Southern California... We're doing the thing. Josh Cobia, Newsworthy of Norsworthy. Let's go. Welcome back to the show, friends. Today we have joining us, uh, I believe it's from Santa Monica, California, Josh Cobia. That's right. Hey, thank you for having me. Are you are you actually in Santa Monica? I am in Santa Monica. I'm coming to you right now from Santa wow. Monica, California. <laughs> I have a large bit of love for Southern California. But I married a girl from Texas, and so there's no way I'm ever going to live out there. But any chance I get to come out to California, I love it. Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. And, and you're no, in, I love it. And you're in Santa Monica, like that's where you like you come from the airport, and you go down, and there's like, and it opens up, and it's like the heavens just say, "Welcome to the promised land." That's where yeah. you live every day. 
So something like that. Yeah, yeah. We've got the Ferris wheel. We've got all the the pier stuff and everything. So it's a fun place to live. It's it's definitely very cool, but you know, expensive. Yes. Yeah. Are you from? Uh, were you in the Bay Area before? I was in the Bay Area before. I'm, I'm actually. I was born in Texas, and then you, uh, I knew yeah, I liked see, you for a reason. Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, just uh, on the road. Good for yep, you. You're gonna yep. make it to heaven, probably. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, but yeah, my dad uh, was a pastor, so we moved around a ton. But we kind of landed in the Bay Area for my my middle school, high school years. So that's mm-hmm. why I would call home. Cool, really. Cool. Cool. I spent a summer working in Redwood City, California. Oh yeah, my senior year of college, and it was awesome. Great place. Yeah, man, it's really good. It's cold, but you know, it's great. Yeah, and so how, you've been down in Southern California for how long now? Uh, I think it's wow. Yeah, it's been like six years now that I've been down here. Cool. So yeah, this is new home, I guess. Right, on. and you're a worship pastor. That's right. That's right. At uh, Resonate Church. So that's a church that uh, I just helped start down here in Santa Monica. So it's about. Four or five blocks from my apartment, and it's just been uh, really cool to just be in the community that I live in and be serving that community. Right on. Now, as an interviewer, one of the things I do is ask hard questions. So let me ask you just a really hard question. You live in Southern California, but you have a beanie on just about every picture I've ever seen of you. Can you explain what's going on with that? Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm blessed with genetics, so, uh, you know, it's some male pattern baldness going on, which is always good at 27. So, you know, I, I try to keep the hat game fresh, you know, I mix it up. I got some beanies, I got some, uh, you know, I, the one thing I won't do is a fedora. So you won't do that? Only, I can't do the fedora, I can't, yeah. I if can't. there's any place that you can wear a fedora, it's Santa Monica. Uh, yeah, and Even you, you can't do that. And even uh, you, yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about why you were on the podcast, because I didn't know who you were when I woke up Saturday morning. Did not have any sure. idea. Sure. Who you were. Though you have a great beanie and your name is Josh, <laughs> I didn't know any of that about you. I wake up Saturday morning, enjoy my nice leisurely breakfast, and I go to the old Twitter. Scott McKnight has a link. Do you know who Scott McKnight is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he links to a blog post, and he said something about this is uh, a story worth reading about uh, Jenner. And I honestly did not read too many of those links that were out on the sure, old internet sure. the last week or so. But for some reason, I read this one. And it was your blog post that had actually gotten picked up by the Washington Post. That's right. And it was really good. And so I tweeted out. And then that night, I was like, you know, I want to talk to that guy. So I tweeted you Saturday night. And today's Monday. And we're talking on the old Skype. God bless the internet. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's crazy. It's really crazy. Yeah. Two days ago, didn't know who you were. And now we're best friends. That's, I know. Look at that. Look that at is that. just amazing. So let's set the story up. For those who didn't read, uh, the story on uh, Washington Post was titled, I went to church with Bruce Jenner. Here's what Caitlyn Jenner taught me about Jesus. And that's the same title that's on your blog, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So first of all, when did you actually post that originally? I posted that, I think it was Thursday. Um, I actually, so I, I struggled with it. I wrote it Monday night and, uh, it was, it was sort of a big deal for me to sort of do. So I wrote it Monday night and then struggled with it for a day, prayed about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I talked it over and, uh, and, uh, you know, shot it to a, a buddy, a close friend of mine. I was like, Hey, is this something that I should do? And the answer was overwhelmingly yes, and so uh, I put it up, and I chickened out, and I put it up on uh, Twitter first because I had like maybe 200 Twitter followers, and I was like, okay, well, if this is going to gain traction by some miracle, like it'll do it here, and maybe maybe not everyone will see it, and then uh-huh. uh, it it got a bunch of retweets, and uh, and then I was like, all right, I gotta put it on Facebook, so I I did it, um, 
and then it was just from there. Yeah, my phone I, would not stop buzzing, and really? it's been a crazy. Yeah, it's been just a crazy, crazy week. So yeah, who would have ever thought you you went from a couple hundred followers, and now you're a, a lot more than that. And most importantly, you got picked up the story by Newsworthy with Norsworthy. That yeah, is that pretty, is I mean, most who, important. Who would have, who would have thought? That, no, I'm kidding. You get Washington Post picked up your your. Who does that? How does how does that even happen? Do you get an email from Mr. Washington or, or yeah? How does Mr. That... Washington actually approached me on Facebook. No, uh, I uh, yeah, I get Facebook through Facebook. Uh, somebody messaged me and was like, "Hey, we'd love to feature this in the Washington Post." I didn't even uh, was like, "How does that really?" <laughs> so yeah, I don't think it was real, but it was real. So that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That is pretty okay. So let's let's talk about the story. So you are living in the Bay Area, and you get reached out to by a pastor of a church in Calabasas, which is just twenty minutes or so up the road from you. That's that- yeah, 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 a little more. But there's a giant hill. You go up to so Malibu, and then you cut over to Calabasas. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so there's a pastor there who says, "Hey, come try out at a preview service for this church plant that I'm starting." And you go down there, and that becomes your job. That's right. Yeah. So he, he actually flew up before that, came and watched me lead worship. And then we went out to lunch afterwards. Um, and then, yeah, I went down for a preview service. And that's when I learned uh, about the Jenner slash Kardashian involvement. And uh, at that point, I was like, okay. Okay. Now, <laughs> I, forgive me. I, I, um, I never watched Keeping Up With the Keeping Up with Kardashians. That's the name of the show, sure. right? Yes, that's it. And so uh, did you know, were you a faithful watcher of the show? Or- I was. No, I was not at all. In fact, I didn't really know who was. I, I remember I was on a treadmill like three days before I went down for the preview service, and I was watching E. It was just you know flipping through channels, and I saw the Kardashians. I was like, "Who are the Kardashians?" And that was the only other time that I had heard of the Kardashians. But when I got there, I was like, "Maybe I should look these people up." So I looked them up, and I was even more interested in why a family as um, this famous and also had this sort of reputation would ever want to be involved with church, let alone mm. help start a church. And so that really sort of piqued my interest. And I, uh, I began on a Google frenzy and then, you know, yes. Yeah. You shouldn't yeah. Google too much with the Kardashians. No, you no, might you find can't, some extra can't get stuff. too deep. Yeah. yeah, yeah you Don't want to do too much Googling on that. Now <laughs> no, I'm a no. church planner. So I, I planted a church, sure. uh, almost seven years ago. Okay. And when you plan a church, it's like, you, you really need a launch team. You need people involved. And, so you, you'll take anyone, but this was not that story where this pastor's looking for a church to plant and looking for partners. According to the, the blog, this guy was an out of ministry pastor, and Bruce. Uh, no, first of all, I'm a track guy, and so Bruce Jenner is a huge name in my world. And yeah. you, you think track and field? You think the name Bruce Jenner is a huge name in the world of track? And so I can only imagine as a pastor, this super successful athlete comes up to you and says. Hey, uh, my wife and I want to talk to you about starting a church. How crazy is that? Yeah, but it definitely changed his life in a lot of ways. Um, and I won't go too deep into his story because his story is his story. But yeah. it was definitely a radical like shift from working at Starbucks to now you're starting a church and you know you can you can do it. I, you know, with church planning, how hard that is. But with you know that kind of publicity and the right stuff, it it came together. So yeah. yeah. So you get there, you get the job. He, he liked you when you were leading worship up in San Francisco, mm-hmm. the Bay Area, and then you come down, you start working there, and you start also having to do youth ministry because when you work at a church plant, you don't get to do just yeah. one. You oh, do you every don't get job. one job. No, no, no. And so, uh, and yeah. so you start doing youth ministry, and you need a place to go. And who offers to host it? The Kardashians. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, super weird. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Super weird. So yeah, I moved from the Bay Area to the most Hollywood situation I could possibly get myself into in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, we were just, uh, the youth group initially, we didn't even have a space for it. We were meeting in a movie theater and we were just sort of meeting on the steps of one of the movie theaters. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just sort of trying to carve out our own little tiny space and I realized like this isn't going to cut it. So I kind of threw out the idea to the kids, uh, you know, could could we have somebody's home with somebody willing to host this on like a Wednesday night. And it was Kendall who was like, we could host it. And I went, wow. Okay. So that was that. And I was doing it at the Kardashians house. <laughs> so, yeah. So you're doing, so it's Kendall and what's, I, I didn't research nearly enough. Ken, Kendall and Kylie, Kylie are the okay. two younger ones. Yes. And they were uh, involved in the youth group. So how old, first of all, how old are they now? Uh, man, I don't know how old they would be now. When, when we were there, they were 12 and 14. And okay. so it's been about five, six years since then. So yeah. Um, what, yeah. what was your first thought when they say, Hey, we're going to do youth ministry or they offer to say, we can do youth ministry at this, this set for real, uh, you know, reality TV. Yeah. I didn't really know what to do. I, I was, I was surprised that they, were as into it as they were. I didn't think that they, I mean, I threw out that being like, Oh, well, you know, in the back of my head, like, well, if I ask and they say, yes, what am I going to do? Because I've got, you know, that's them saying one thing, but then you have teenagers going to the set of a reality show, uh, that, you know, it, it's just sort of a crazy situation. So I didn't, I didn't really have a full idea of what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I is was there excited. Not a, is there not a book out for that? Oh, I guess not. No, I, oh. <laughs> that's my next blog post. What there you do? go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're there, you're, you're leading small or like a youth ministry on a Wednesday night at the, the set of this reality show. And did you ever come to like figure out like why they wanted to help start this church and what was the impetus for them going out and finding this pastor and saying, Hey, we want to start a church and we want you to be the guy. I mean, what do you, what, what was the rationale for that? I don't know the full story, but I know what I heard from uh, Chris, who is the mom. Um, she had me over before uh, we started the youth group at their place and uh, just sort of sat me down and shared her story. And what I heard from her was that, you know, I want faith to be a major part of my girls' lives. Like, I, I want Kylie and Kendall to know God and uh, and walk with him. And uh, that was a major reason for a, a Partly a major reason for starting the church was just that her kids could get introduced to Jesus and would have a youth group. Calabasas is one of the least churched cities in all of Southern California, and it's one of the most affluent, too. So it's a very strange mix of extreme wealth. And then, like, there's one church, to my knowledge, that's still there. The church that I was at has since moved to Agora Hills. And so there's one small church uh, that still meets in Calabasas, but that was it, and that was the only option for anyone there. So... The other major reason was just to, you know, have a church in a place that really needed it. Yeah. Now, I'm sure someone's going to have a condescending attitude about that sort of response. But for anyone who's been involved in the life of a church, there are plenty of people who pour themselves into church just so their kids would have a positive experience. And that, I mean, besides the fact that they're, you know, reality stars and, you know, probably uber rich, that's a pretty normal narrative for a lot of people who are involved in youth ministry and church. Is Don't you think so? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so if I'm going to be totally honest, there have been times that I have talked about the Kardashians as maybe like 
the personification of everything that's wrong with America. <laughs> Hypothetically, I might have done that, but there's no way in the world I would have said that if they were my youth group. You know, right? And so right. it's easy to see them as characters because when you're on a rowdy sh- show, you are a character for uh, the public. Th- that's not who they actually are. I'm assuming. Is that fair to say? That's totally fair to say. And yeah, in fact, yeah, I was I was deeply surprised as I got into this adventure um, with the depth that they actually do possess and uh, the love that they possess for each other. Um, and then just the, the spiritual curiosity of the two girls was really incredible to watch, too, to see what their questions were. Um, when I got there, they were 12 and 14, and I just knew, I was like, okay, it's only a couple of years until this just really blows up for them. Like, they're going to have their own careers, and what can I do as a youth pastor who's just just turned 21? What oh, kind of geez. wisdom? Yeah, what wisdom does this dude have for these people who are going to be really largely in front of the world. So it was um, just a, a crazy whirlwind and also just very nerve wracking. I had recurring nightmares of, you know, the tabloid saying they did this or this and that it was the youth pastor's fault or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it was, yeah. Um, did, did something like that ever happen? Were you ever in the tabloid? Or were you ever on the show? No, no, and no. I, I actually just joke with them a couple times about being on the show. They, they own several uh, segways, you know, those people mover things that are very strange. And oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mall cops on them and stuff. <laughs> they had a couple of those in their garage and I asked them if I could just be in a couple episodes just rioting in the background <laughs> uh but that didn't go over well but um oh that's a show no, yeah so i never i never and, and honestly we met there for a for a bit of time but uh pretty soon the girls career started to take off and they weren't able to be around and so we moved it to my mother-in-law's place um and sort of moved the youth group that way and their involvement became sort of less and less as we moved in the church grew and uh as did the kardashians um but, yeah, the weird part was that um, Caitlin actually stuck around and, you know, you'd see her at church consistently, like almost every Sunday, even after the, Chris and the girls had sort of their attendance had waned and they'd only come on like Easter's and Christmas's, sort of the major, yeah. uh, you know, times to come, uh, she'd be there. So, and that that always struck me. And she was always the one who would tell you like, no, I'm, you know, uh, she never, she was like, I'm exploring this. I'm looking through this. At least that's what I heard from, um, our pastor and stuff. And, and it wasn't like she was outright saying, no, I'm, I am a fully dedicated Christian. It was just that she, she really loved being there. And I could tell that, um, I could tell she was really getting stuff out of it. Hmm. But the one person who seemed to be there every week, according to the blog post was Caitlin. Bruce. Yes. yes. I, I don't, I'm not really sure the, that, like, how do you refer to? Yeah, yeah, I had to look that up, and the yeah, the the correct terminology is uh, to always refer to someone who's transgendered um, in their present tense. Okay. So yeah, I guess that's the way it goes. Okay. Well, this is new to me, <laughs> and I've never discussed this on the podcast, and so there's nothing but love for everyone I've got. But I'm kind Absolutely. of ignorant. Okay. So Caitlin was there every mm-hmm. Sunday, even when the twins were not there anymore. I don't know. Yeah. They're not twins, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not uh, twins? They're not twins. They're, they're this is the, twins. This is, this is the least prepared I've ever been for a podcast, <laughs> and I was not going to go, like, get on E and well, watch yeah. a bunch of episodes. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. So the girl, there's 
Whatever. The point yeah. is, Caitlin was there. Let's just talk about Caitlin because this couldn't be more awkward. I don't know the girls. I don't know his name, whatever. But Caitlin is there even when the girls are not at church anymore. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so you tell the story that like your last Sunday there, which was a couple years ago. This is actually just in October. So this was oh. right before all this sort of came out. Yeah. So my last Sunday there. Really? Yeah. She was there and, you know, she gave me a big hug. We, we said goodbye. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was sort of the, she, we would talk and she would be just so impressed that, I mean, it's a church plant and she's like, you've been here since the beginning. And that would always be like sort of what we would talk about and chat about. And she would ask me about my career and what I wanted to do next. And if I was going to start preaching and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so it was, it was just a really cool moment for me to just to be able to hug an Olympian as I yeah, no <laughs> left kidding. the church, you know? Yeah. So now wasn't there a thing about a, like a terrible car accident? There was, yeah. I don't know a lot about that. Was uh, that after you, you were gone? That was after I was gone too. Yep. Okay. So that was probably last spring or something like that. Yeah. I mean, after I left was when a lot of the news about her sort of imploded and just went everywhere. It was, okay. it was a couple weeks after. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you decide you're going to write this after, was it a GQ article that he was on the cover? She was uh, on the Vanity cover? Fair. Vanity yeah. Fair. Okay. So the article comes out, you see Caitlin on there and you decide I've got to write something. What was the, the reasoning for that? What made you feel like you had to write this about Caitlin? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, I actually saw the picture of the Vanity Fair article that had come out, um, which showed a fully, you know, uh, transgendered person. And I mean, for a minute I was like, wow, okay, this is really happening. And I, I honestly, my first reaction was, I'm not going to say anything about this. And I know I had friends that were texting me and, uh, family was emailing me sort of asking if I knew anything. And I was like, I don't, I don't know anything beyond what I know about the person. Mm-hmm. And then as I just sort of started, um, uh, just being on social media, you know, checking my Twitter or checking Instagram or Facebook or whatever, I would just see more and more articles that came out that were more, um, either derogatory or it just felt like it was such an us and them discussion. It was like non-Christians had their view and Christians had their view. And I was just really, I realized like I have a story here that's sort of different than those two um, sort of opposite narratives. It seems like in a situation like this, it becomes an opportunity for people to espouse their already established political views if you already think one thing about the subject, you're going to say the same thing. If you already think something else, you're going to, it's just, you're going to say whatever you're going to say. And this is just a pretext to go there. Do you think that's a fair take? That's totally true. I think what I saw the most was that people weren't looking at this as a person, but a subject. So it was just something in the news that they could launch out their opinions on. But I didn't see people treating it like a human thing. I saw it treating it like an objective thing. Like this is a subject that I can dig my teeth into rather than this is a person that has feelings and a real life. And, you know, so, yeah. Your piece made Caitlin a person. Like I I knew Caitlin as the, like the Olympic superstar Mm -hmm. that as a track person, like you, you, you know, the name Bruce Jenner, you celebrate that. But as a church planner who heard the story, I know the person who comes every week, who says encouraging things to you, who's supportive of the, the church, who's supportive of me. And I go, that's who Caitlin is. That's who Caitlin is to you. Mm-hmm. And it makes this like a real human story. And so it seems like what you're arguing for isn't like for the left or for the right, but it's like how the church should respond with love. Yeah. Is that a fair take on, on where you're that's coming defi- from? Yeah, that's definitely a fair take. Um, 
Yeah, no, go for it. Well, I was going to say, what, like, what do you think the ideal response would be? Like, if you were back at that other church, this comes out, how would you want the church to respond to Caitlin the first Sunday that Caitlin shows up not as Bruce, but as Caitlin? I think that this is such a new issue. That's It's not a new issue in general, but it's such a new issue for us to be talking about in a mainstream context mm-hmm. that if Caitlin came back to church, no matter how loving or accepting that church is, there's always going to be the few people there given the awkward stares or just the surprised sort of look. Um, so I, I don't, I, my hope and prayer and wish with writing this was that people would see her as, you know, this is, this is, um, this is not only a person, but this is someone who has struggled with faith. This is someone who knows Jesus. Uh, and, I mean, my biggest hope would be the church would just welcome her back with open arms and love and say, hey, you're here just as you were here. You're here now. Uh, yeah. What do, you, what do you think the most awkward thing would be for, for people there? I mean, I guess the whole thing would just be uncomfortable because even just like as I displayed earlier, like you don't know the terminology. Even mm-hmm. if you want to be accepting, someone that's just uncomfortable, like you, you don't really know what to say. Totally, totally. And in fact, when I was writing the article, I had to, I had to, you know, proof that thing a million times to make sure that I was saying the right thing because it's just so new. I'm not used to, um, I'm not used to, to talking about that community. I, I don't really know a whole lot about that community. Um, I, I think, you know, that the the most awkward thing that could happen is that people would um, not uh, not talk with her not beyond just like accepting or welcoming or, you know, open arms, that's like best case scenario. But just like if it felt weird to step into a church, that's not the church. You know what I mean? Like that shouldn't be the way that the church ever is. You should never feel awkward having to walk into through a church door. That's sanctuary. That's a safe place. And when it becomes unsafe is when we're not doing our jobs right. Yeah. Do you have kids? I don't. Okay. So I've got three kids and I've, you know, my 15 month old, not going to notice anything. My right. three year old might notice something. My yeah. six year old definitely would notice something. Yes. And I can imagine the parents out there who are going, I don't know how to have this conversation. I was actually just talking to a friend at a wedding on Saturday night, and uh, his ex wife showed the interview that happened, I guess, last week with Caitlin mm-hmm. to his eight year old. And he was like, I, I, I don't want my eight year old watching this. And or without him knowing, or he was just like, mm-hmm. and I can imagine some parents going, I, I don't, I, I'm not prepared for this. I don't know how to deal with this. But I think in some ways, if you think of like the whole Kardashian thing, and obviously Kim Kardashian's name got out there to many people because mm-hmm. of a pornographic film, you yep. would have that same sort of like, I, I don't want my junior high boy around, you know, what many people believe to like, she's a person, first of all, of course, but there's some people who think, well, she just did, you know, adult film and I don't want my kid around that. So I'm yeah. assuming like those awkward conversations are probably happening already whenever you're part of the Kardashian clan. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's really true. I don't think this is anything. I mean, this is definitely new for Caitlin in a lot of ways, but the, the attention, um, and the, the, I mean, you have to understand even at a church, there's going to be people talking behind, you know, their backs or doing whatever. I mean, the internet too, I've just experienced it in the slightest way this week with, you know, the mixed messages that I'll get coming to me. People get very brave behind a keyboard. Oh, um, I didn't even but, think about that. I, oh yeah. But I mean, I, I, if I felt that level of like, 
uh, I won't call it attack, but there's really a, no other word to <laughs> to use in yeah. that scenario. I can't imagine what he or what she feels every day um, and what they all feel sort of every day. There's got to be a bunch of people who love them, but there's also vast number of people who are um, totally against who they are and what they do, and they probably get that from all angles all the time. So I, I, I wish that the church could be a place for them to go, and that wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, like you said, yeah, when you have kids or, or just, just people in general, there's going to be questions. There's going to be, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Do you think there's a way for people to do church with someone who they would have like a harsh, strong disagreement about this issue over? Because there's some people who think, no, this is fine. Uh, th- we're, you know, we're, we're supporting this, this transition that Caitlin's going through mm-hmm. and we're okay. There's some people who said, no, I, I don't see this being a right thing. And obviously it's kind of hard to get like a book chapter verse about do not have like gender changing surgeries. Cause they didn't really talk yeah. about that two 2000 yeah, years ago. A, yeah. There's Paul, I don't think was writing specifically to the situation, but like, do you think there's a way for people to do church? Even if you disagree on the subject, like if this is right or wrong, I totally do. Um, I, I have struggled with this issue for, um, a couple of years. I, my wife, uh, my brother-in-law is actually uh, a gay man. So my struggle with, with all of this and thinking in terms of right or wrong and in terms of church and how we love these people, that conversation has been going on in my life a lot longer than just this Bruce issue has. And I think what I've come to the conclusion is, is like, unless your heart has been completely broken by this issue, uh, then it's tough to know the right way to respond. My heart's been broken by the issue because I have a brother-in-law who I love who's been through suicide attempts, who's been through depression, who's been through all this stuff. And uh, that's what initially broke my heart enough to go, okay, I, I know how to respond to this person in love because I really love them. Um, I think there have been churches that I've been to where I completely, completely disagree with you know what the pastor is saying or maybe it's um, members of the church or whatever – but I think that the bottom line is when you come to church, you come to church uh, to experience God. And I think one of the things that really cuts through there is uh, just communion, uh, it's worship, it's uh, stuff like that. That once, once, once the Holy Spirit and God is in the room and we're really tapped into that, I think that love permeates and it's tough not to respond um, in a loving and right way to someone who may be different than you. Yeah. And I love what you said about communion too. Because at our church, what we do is we get around tables. And mm. so we have people like leave their chairs and go literally stand around tables. And this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but on Sunday, the guy next to me who typically like passed out communion, he was like coughing up a lung. Like I didn't know if he had like a pack of Marlboros before he got there. And I literally tried to wedge my way in before him so he wouldn't touch the bread first. And he, he literally was like, no, I'm going over there. And I was like, oh, okay. But like he, when you go to the table, you don't want the person around you's germs getting on you, literally or metaphorically. But when you get there, it's like, you know, we're all here together and, yeah, and we're here. family and, and we, we suffer together. And if you are at a church where you have friends who struggle with sexual orientation or you have parents who have kids who have, it changes you. And, you know, for me, it, I can say this because uh, he, he's out right now, but when I was in college, I had a roommate who was struggling with this question and he hadn't come out to anyone or hardly anyone. And he was wrestling with, I, I, I don't want to be gay, but mm. I, uh, but this is my orientation. Like, this is what I'm attracted to. And 
more than getting a master's of divinity, more than getting a Bible college degree, more than mm. preaching every Sunday as like a, a junior in college or sophomore in college, the most formative thing for me in my spiritual journey was that that time with my friend who was struggling with sexual orientation. Mm. It, it was. I don't think there's anything that's been more formative for me during those years. And uh, like you said, I think that changes how you interact with people because you, you've been there and you, you've you've sat there as someone wrestle with it. So go ahead. No, no. I was, I, I, what do you I was like? Screaming. What do you, what can someone do who who doesn't have a brother-in-law who's who's a gay man? Or what do you, what can you do for someone who's who doesn't have that that close proximity to someone who's gone through such a hard struggle like this? Mm. That's a really good question. I, I I think a lot of it is exposure too. Uh, people people fear what they don't understand, and that what they don't understand really irks them. And I think as soon as you can. Um, the more and more you can come into contact with people who are who are gay or who are a part of the LGBTQ community, uh, the more you're going to understand them. And so I think, you know, maybe it's it's volunteering your time, uh, hanging with them. It's reaching out to someone you may know or may not know. But I, I think I, the biggest thing, the, the thing that changed my I was raised Southern Baptist and really, really ultra conservative. And the the thing that changed my heart on these people was getting to know these people. It mm-hmm. wasn't anything besides that. So I don't think it's any book that you could read or any, you know, podcast or, or Easy, blog yeah. you could do. Or, yeah, well, I can't, but besides, yeah. no, um, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's doing what Jesus said and, and serving the least of these. It's getting around these people so that you can actually have context to what you're saying yeah. uh, and thinking. You know, it's funny is that in, in my tradition, I grew up in the churches of Christ, that mm-hmm. the, uh, the attitude about divorce changed mm. like 20 years ago when elders have kids who start getting divorced. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to rethink this because it's our kids who are now getting the, the, the shaft right here because we aren't giving grace to this community. And once there's like some skin in the game, then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's redo this, you know? And when, when you have to get to know someone or you get to get to know someone, it changes everything. That's, so, okay. that's it. So in your, your piece, you said the last Sunday that you saw Caitlin, she gave you a big hug and encouragement. If you could see her right now, what would you want to say to Caitlin? Because I'm sure Caitlin's going to listen to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I would just remind her that, um, that it's not about what, uh, what the Christians are saying. Uh, it's about what, what Jesus is saying and who he is. I remind her that you're loved completely. Uh, and it's not just me who loves you. There are thousands out there. Uh, the most overwhelming thing about putting this, this blog post out, which honestly I was very scared of because I'm in an evangelical church situation and who knows what could happen when you, you know, come out and say these crazy things. Uh, I've had responses from people who are definitely not Christian saying this is, radical and beautiful and and these are people that i never would have expected to talk to jesus about jesus with who are now coming to me asking me questions about this guy asking me about the bible asking me about what this really means and and that's an open door and i would tell her you've opened the door for a lot of people and as many people as are angry or mad about this you're opening the door to conversations about jesus with people that are in your community because you are who you are and you took this step and you did this, this radical thing. Um, but I love you. 
That's good. That's good. Well, dude, thank you for the time. It's great talking with you. And uh, I'm glad you posted this. I'm sure you had no clue what was going to happen a week ago, but uh, I'm glad you put yourself out there. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.